Welcome to Marvel Us Disney. Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. My co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this show on Monday, October 7th, 2019. And I want to start this episode off with that piece of news, which, if I'm remembering correctly, based on what you posted on, on Twitter, Aaron, how did you put it? I had posted on Twitter... I'll take breaking news on the day you publish your podcast for a thousand, Alex. The clue is news that made Aaron cry with joy. And of course, the thing that made Aaron cry with joy is that Sony and Disney found a way to resolve their differences and proceed with production of a third Spider-Man movie featuring Tom Holland, which would be set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, this news broke on September 24th and back on August 20th, negotiations had totally broken down between the two companies, which is why on August 24th, Tom Holland is standing on stage at the D23 Expo and turns to the audience and says, look, it's been a crazy week, but I want you to know I'm grateful from the bottom of my heart and I love you 3000. And which I think we acknowledge in the show was a pretty classy thing to say, given what a miserable situation what it was at that moment. And and face it, you know, we were all thinking, ah, damn, that's it. You know, no more Spider-Man movies with Nick Fury. And where does the third Tom Holland movie go from here? And I, I think, Aaron, you volunteered a couple of theories. It, it, in fact, pointed out between Venom and Morpheus, and they'd even potentially had a, enough people on the board that a Sinister Six film was a possibility. Sometime in the future. Now, the yeah. one thing that had me really worried before the news broke is there's a dailybugle.net. Have you heard about that? Yes, yes. And there was news that was directly going against what Kevin Feige said about the blip, where it was mm. uh, how somebody who was like a stuntman in Hollywood was telling his story about how he was in the middle of doing a stunt jumping off a building. And because... However many years later, the bag, the inflated bag wasn't there anymore for his stunt, and he just landed on the concrete, and now he's in the hospital. Oh, and Kevin Feige funny. said, yeah, Kevin Feige said that everyone, you know, if they were in an airplane, that they would just reappeared back on the ground, safe and sound, nothing bad happened. And it was like almost Sony was just poking Feige in the eye with, <laughs> by coming up <laughs> with the dailybugle.net and then letting, of course, J. Jonah Jameson be like a, the conspiracy theorist that he is mm -hmm. spouting some garbage that's not true. And, you know, Sony was just kind of, it was kind of like they were having their little dig at him while they were taking Spider-Man away for a second. I just got a bad vibe like, oh, this ain't going to end well, guys. It's going nowhere fast. It's a dumpster fire. So I'm glad that it all turned around thanks to Tom Holland. Tom really played an active role in this. The story that, in fact, I guess it's Bob Iger who was out, made an appearance on Kimmel, and was talking about the fact that here was Tom Holland at the D23 Expo. He's there promoting Onward, the uh, movie he's making with Pixar, with Chris Pratt. And But as he finishes up, he turns to his Disney PR handler and asks for Bob Iger's contact info. And Iger's like, my staff keeps me pretty protected. But it, eventually someone relented and Tom does in fact call Bob, and, and as Iger explained to Kimmel, it was clear that he cared so much about this film series and the character. Tom's a great Spider-Man. More importantly, it was clear that the fans wanted this to happen. So after I got off the phone with Tom, I made a couple of calls to our team at Disney Studios, and then I decided to call the head of Sony, and I said, 
we got to figure a way to get this done for Tom and the fans. And we did. And, and that's how it happened. He called me and I called them. We always have these eerie moments where it's if, as if someone at Disney is actually listening to Aaron. Because, uh, you know, they, they, you, you said this on the last show. What happens sometimes, companies when they're negotiating or people when they're negotiating, they kind of forget that there are other folks out there who actually matter. And, and that was the case here, the fans. So eerie that, you know, somebody actually made the fans a priority again. You're making it seem like uh, Tom Holland is this very noble saint of entertainment hood, which mm -hmm. is just not the case. You got to remember that he was mentored by the Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. And I'm certain at one point, Robert said, look, kid, in the movies, I am bequeathing Edith onto you, the AI glasses. You're in line to be the next Stark if you want to be. And in real life, all you got to do is just ask for 5% of the next Avengers movie and you're set for life. So really what Tom Holland wanted to do is he wanted to keep the bank train rolling down, down the line so he could put some of his uh, stakes into another Avengers movie and come out royalty on the other side. I'm not going to say... That you're not wrong? I, I mean, this is a, a, a relatively young man who's part of a very lucrative franchise, and suddenly mom and dad were fighting, and this was potentially going to impact his career. So it was in Holland's best interest to get the whole Spider-Man situation resolved. And this Disney-Sony-Spider-Man deal extension thing, there was some give and take, because Disney wanted 50% of the ticket sales going forward for Spider-Mans, but they were willing to put up 50% of the production costs to do that, and Sony really balked at that. So eventually what they were able to settle on is that Disney is going from 5% of ticket sales to 25% of ticket sales, but at the same time, they're going to pick up 25% of the production costs. Outside of Spider-Man 3, which already has a July 16, 2021 release date, I know they're negotiating with John Watts about directing the third film. I don't think they have his deal in place yet, but given that now there's only 21 months between... I'm sure his phone has rang by now. Somebody had to have called him. By the way, I know we talked about this previously with the whole James Gunn situation last year and how that was going to impact the Guardians of the Galaxy ride for Epcot. But honestly, nobody is happier that this got resolved fairly quickly than the, the Imagineers who were working on the Spider-Man ride for Disney's California Adventure. Tom Holland is supposed to shoot the pre-show and the post-show, as well as a variety of lines for the narration of this thing that will actually key off of how successful you are. But yeah, we, we have our Spider-Man 3 movie coming out July 16th, 2021. We also have Spidey making a guest appearance in a yet-to-be-determined Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this, Aaron. What, what do you think this is? Avengers 5, Fantastic Four, what do you think they'll hold it back for? All of the above. I want it to go on forever, so I'm just going to say everything. No, and if it were Fantastic Four, I would definitely vote for it to be a Fantastic Four thing because I want to see the Amazing Bagman. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with the Amazing Bagman? I do not think I am. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful story. Spidey gets caught uh, trapped in the Fantastic Four building 
mm-hmm. uh, with all of its high security without his costume. Mm-hmm. So he ends up going through the entire comic in a borrowed Fantastic Four uniform and a paper sack over his head oh. with a couple of holes punched out of the eyes. And for some reason, I really would love to see uh, the amazing Bagman appear <laughs> at some point in the Baxter <laughs> building. But he's, you know, he's buddies with the Torch and, and uh, Reed and Sue and all that. So it would make sense there. I don't even know if I want to speculate on this rumor or not, but there's been a rumor that the Eternals will introduce the X gene to humanity Mm. in their movie. And a Spidey Wolverine team up would be utterly awesome because they always never get along. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I mean, he's got to be in the Avengers because he's been in the mix with everybody before. So yeah, I can lean that way totally. I mean, he belongs everywhere. So let's just say all of the above and hope that uh, after this deal is done, Marvel goes back to Sony and goes, come on, man, are you sick of making money or something? Let's do this again. Keep rolling them dice, baby. (laughs) The one that kind of makes sense to me, what about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness? I mean, it's supposed to come out May of 2021, so it's just a few months before Spider-Man 3, and the Sanctum Sanctorum is is on Bleecker Street in Greenwich Village, and in that PS4 game that came out last year with Spider-Man, you can actually make your way to the Sanctum Sanctorum. You can't get in, but you can definitely find the building. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is, like, Spidey's teamed up with just about everybody at some point, and they all have a wonderfully unique relationship with each individual character. The only reason I would say that he wouldn't be in Doctor Strange is because they're making such a big fuss about WandaVision connecting to Doctor Strange, so I'm certain that Wanda is going to end up in there, and, and if Vision ends up coming back somehow... Uh, Vision may be involved because it would seem odd to suddenly exclude him all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if Disney is pushing so hard, Disney Plus right now is their main focus and WandaVision is in the future and WandaVision will connect to Doctor Strange and Spidey's been a who knows what's going to happen because Sony took him back for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't even think that they're even got that bullseye even close to locked in at all. If they did it, it would be a last minute, oh, we have the ability to use him. But I don't think they would just use a throwaway two-minute scene and and call that good. He's got to be heavily featured. So if he's got to be heavily featured, it's not Doctor Strange because they've got already got a featured cast. I don't know if you saw the news coming out of New York Comic Con this past weekend where Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, is going to be a playable character in Square Enix's Marvel's Avenger game. Square Enix previewed Marvel's Avengers at E3 back in June. At that time, what they told us that the games or the characters who were available to play were Captain America, Black Widow, the Hulk, Iron Man, and Thor. Kamala Khan hasn't been around all that long. Um... She was introduced back in August of 2003. She didn't get her own monthly comic till February the following year. But G. Willow Wilson, the co-creator of Ms. Marvel, is just flat out thrilled that her character is being given this opportunity. Uh, She's quoted as saying, I think Kamala is a perfect fit for a game like this since she sees the Marvel world the same way we do as fans and players. Kamala allows us to imagine what we ourselves would do if we suddenly discovered we had superpowers and got to stand along our heroes in their time of greatest need. Captain America, Iron Man, Hulk, Black Widow, and Thor are unveiling a high-tech Avengers headquarters in San Francisco 
which includes a reveal of a helicarrier powered by an experimental energy source. And the celebration turns deadly. There's a catastrophic accident with massive devastation. Blame for the tragedy, the Avengers disband, and five years later, with all superheroes outlawed and the world in peril, Kamala discovers a shocking conspiracy and embarks on a quest to reassemble the heroes she believes in and then to become the hero she was destined to be. They did a nice job of sort of keeping this under wraps till New York's Comic-Con. For good reason. Because they want to sell that they have an Avengers game, and what they've just revealed is they've got somebody else's game who's going to go try and find the Avengers. That's that, that they, is they've a, been selling from from the get go. It's like you're going to play as Iron Man, guys. You're going to play as the Hulk. You're going to be able to switch up with Black Widow. It's going to be amazing. You're going to play as the Avengers. And then the thing that I don't think you've stated yet, but was in the show notes, was that yep. this is the starting character. Yeah, like when the game starts. Okay, yep. so I put in my Avengers game, and I'm ready to play as any one of my favorite Avengers. And who do they give me? Someone who's not the Avengers. <laughs> Yeah. You think there's a reason why they hid that information for a little while? They didn't come out with that as their first go-to bit of release info? I think you may be onto something. As Kamala encounters the other Avengers and, and recruits her to her quest, you acquire these characters to play. So I got to assume it's going to take some fairly lengthy play to get to the point where you can choose between all six of these characters. Right. It'll be first, who do, who do I want the most? If you're mm-hmm. a fan of Captain America, first you go hook up with Cap. And then for the next adventure, you have Kamala that you can play with or Cap that you can play with. And mm-hmm. that's about it. And you have to go recruit another Avenger. And that level, you'll you know battle a bunch of baddies. And at the end of it, you'll have a second hero that you can swap around with and yeah, I wish it weren't like that. I wish I would just get to pick your hero and play. But, okay. Other depressing news here. We're not going to get to play this game till May 15, 2020. That's when Square Enix's Marvel's Avengers finally goes on sale. It will simultaneously be released for the PlayStation 4, the Xbox, Family of Games, Stadia, which I'm not familiar with, and PC. If you just can't wait till May 15th, to get to play as a member of the Avengers, just 10 days from now, you can put on an emergency response suit, which is kind of an amalgam of Stark industry technologies and the cool cutting edge gadgets that Suri regularly makes, streams up in her lab at Wakanda Design as part of the Avengers Damage Control VR game. If we talked at all about the Void, the VR experience, I know Disney World has one. I think we had to have, yeah. At some okay. point, I think we had to have brought up at least the, its existence. This is something that the ILM XLAD folks uh, have done. In fact, this next one is their very first co-production with Marvel Studios. And it's a location-based VR experience where participants, once they put on their headset and strap on that backpack... You're going to get to fight alongside Doctor Strange, the Wasp, and Ant-Man, and Benedict Cumberbatch, Evangeline Lilly, Paul Rudd, along with Letitia Wright. They all took part in the shoot for this uh, Void VR experience, which, as I understand it, they would grab them out of Endgame. And it's like, hi, we need you for about three hours. And can you stand in this this space and hit these precise marks? Because this is how the Void works. Now, mind you, it's a little pricey. It's twenty nine ninety five for a 30-minute long experience. 
But Aaron, that seems like a, a downright bargain compared to the Infinity Saga Collector's Edition, which I know we talked about on the last show. But yep. Feige was just at New York Comic Con and sort of walked out what this 23-film box set limited edition is going to include. And Oh, tell me all of the stuff it's going to include. Okay. All of the stuff. Don't leave out a single thing, please. All right. So we have, obviously, our 23 MCU movies in 4K, uh, HD, and Blu-ray. Yep. We have an exclusive Matt Fergus litho. We have a letter from Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige. We have the reprinted signatures of the original six Avengers. And then the exclusive bonus disc with deleted and extended scenes and always that interesting phrase and more. Right. So we've got all of the movies. Mm -hmm. We've got one bonus disc of new stuff. And we've got three bits of paper. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm sure that it's probably at an extremely discounted price. Like, if you were to go out and try and buy all the movies right now, it's got to be much less than that. Otherwise, why bother, right? Actually, if we're going by a per-film basis, it's $23.91 per film. But total, this limited edition box set, it's available pre-order at Best Buy for $549.99. Well, let me go sell some plasma so I can get that. No, thank you. Hard pass. Got all the movies already. Don't need three bits of paper. Don't care about the bonus disc. I mean, I would like to have it one day, but I mean, I'm not going to pay 500 and some odd dollars for it. That's just stupid. No collectible, right? I mean, like, no hard collectible, no toy, no figurine, no statuette, no polystyrene, no nothing, just three bits of paper, right? I mean, do you remember phase one, what that came with? I do not. When phase one concluded, you got the smaller size briefcase that Nick Fury carried in the Avengers. And if you opened it up, you got a little replica of the Cosmic Cube, as well as all of the movies from phase one. In phase two, it was the orb, I believe, that Peter Quill stole that started off Guardians of the Galaxy, the purple thing Mm -hmm. that that whole movie was based around, and and the discs were inside of that. So to come to the culmination of all of this with all of their fancy packaging that they've had in the past with some really elaborate stuff at a not insulting price point, now it's bare bones insulting price point. And that's why I'm so tragically disappointed is because they actually did some cool stuff in the past. Mm-hmm. If you've been playing the home game of collecting all the that was some cool stuff that was actually worth looking into. This is really disappointing. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. In fact, it, it's Drew over at, uh, who I do fine tuning with who pointed out that tomorrow on October 8th, Toy Story 4 goes on sale. This is just a week after the digital version became available to download. And what Disney's traditionally done is put at least two weeks breathing space between the digital download and the the Blu-ray DVD. And this time around, they didn't do that because November 12th, Disney Plus launches. And one of the things they promised as part of the lead up to Disney Plus was that every single Pixar film will be available in that. And that will include Toy Story 4. And you got to wonder if every single one of the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, which I'm assuming 
I don't think Spider-Man's going to make it on the list. Those are Sony films. That's the other thing that's a little concerning about the timing of this, because again, streaming service launches on November 12th. This limited edition box set launches on November 15th. And I don't know, maybe just the assumption is that it, only the, the really hardcore fans will go for this. There are some people that just want to have a physical copy of something. I, I still meet a lot of people that mm-hmm. are very addicted to, if I'm going to give you cash money for something, you have to give me something back I can hold in my hand. Yeah. And because I was the kind of idiot that collected films for decades, mm-hmm. I need like a spare room for media. And I am much more of a mindset today of buying things on digital only without Mm. getting the physical copy because it's worth me to have a room back in my Mm. life. So to declutter my life, I'm I'm just going digital with everything. I do think that there are still some people out there who may not have seen one single movie from the Infinity Saga. Mm. They just didn't care about it, whatever. If now that it's all out and it's in one complete package, someone might get it as a gift for someone else. It's more, I think more of a gift item or the hardcore collector. And you got to be really hardcore to crave this. You know, I mean, a photocopy of someone's signature does not impress me at all as a collector. I mean, I I can go on Google right now and look up Robert Downey Jr.'s autograph Mm -hmm. and Photoshop it onto anything I want. So, you know, why am I paying for that? That's no big deal. If they would have had a, a polystyrene statue or, you know, a Thanos helmet or it all came in a supersized gauntlet or something, then you could even, you know, make it $700 and people would buy it just so they could have the darn gauntlet. Mm-hmm. But this, I'm not, I'm not down with this one. And especially if it's all going to be out available in on Disney Plus and I've already got a copy on Blu-ray. I mean, I've I've got 3 or 4 different directions of I don't care about this. Okay. Unfortunately. No, I, I, I get that. I get that. And of course, as part of this 23 film set, there'll be 3 Thor movies included, uh, two of which uh feature Natalie Portman and I don't know if you've been watching television over the past week or so, but Natalie's been out making the rounds promoting Lucy in the Sky. In every single one of these interviews, the conversation pivots to Thor, Love and Thunder, because it's like, you're coming back as Jane, and you're going to get to be Lady Thor, and Natalie's very good-natured about it, but she has to point out, it's like, I don't even start shooting this till August of next year, and I don't have anything to share at this point. You know, they haven't even seen the script. So promoting movies can sometimes be a dangerous thing. And when we get back, we'll talk about how that impacted the Marvel Cinematic Universe over the past week. I don't know how many of you remember what happened back in June of 2005. Tom Cruise was making the rounds promoting Steven Spielberg's redo of War of the Worlds. And was supposed to go on the Today Show, have a relatively vanilla interview with Matt Lauer. And it went off the rails in kind of a spectacular fashion when Tom had been on the record saying something about Brooke Shields and the use of Ritalin or something to that effect. But what Tom said at that point to Matt was, was something to the effect of your glib. And this coupled with his famous jumping on the couch on Oprah's, it took Cruz years to rehabilitate his career after that point. 
And it's obvious. Tom had managed to do it. He turned it around. He got people to forget about that sort of thing. But again, sometimes when you're out promoting a movie and you say something, the conversation shifts away from what you're supposed to be doing, which is promoting the movie, to an entirely different topic. And this past week, Martin Scorsese is out promoting The Irishman. During one of these interviews, one of the reporters brought up the Marvel Cinematic Universe and whether or not Scorsese had seen or what he thought of these movies. And Scorsese, this is the quote that, that got him in trouble. I don't see them. I tried, but it's not cinema. I mean, honestly, the close I, could, I, I can think of them as well made as they are with actors doing the best they can under the circumstances is theme parks. It isn't the cinema of human beings trying to convey emotional, psychological experiences to, to another human being. And suddenly, this is all the pop culture world can talk about. How Martin Scorsese, this master of cinema, is dissing the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And did you get to see any of the responses, Aaron? Or No, I, I saw the headline and went, oh, okay, and scrolled right past it because it was, I mean, the, the one part was he hadn't really seen any of the movies, so mm-hmm. why bother listening to his critique of any of the movies he hasn't seen? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a legend of filmmaking, et cetera, et cetera, but he just kind of gave a blanket statement to everything as, as if they're all the same. There is something more than just Flash and, you know, superheroes and capes and tights and all that. No, I get that. I get that. The emotional thing, I mean, I know people that cried during Endgame and and Mm. when people went away. How is people crying not an emotional event? I mean, it's just the the blanket statement over everything is the thing that bothers me the most. I mean, he Mm -hmm. can just say, it's not my cup of tea and, you know, leave it at that. Mm-hmm. But to then to to criticize an entire genre of filmmaking as if it were all the same, there have been a lot of things that have been bent off of the superhero genre, such as uh, Kick-Ass mm-hmm. was a, a great little film that was not like your normal superhero film. It was a little bit different. So, yeah, I mean, there's lots of great movies out there that occupy the superhero genre, and they do have uh, emotional elements, and they are great films and they I think they qualify of cinema. I think Christopher Nolan would argue that his Batman films that he filmed on IMAX because he cares about using film and the integrity of filmmaking and all that. I think he would totally disagree. But I also think he's a gentleman and he's probably just doesn't care and he's not going to get into the conversation. He's got stuff to do like making a movie. So And it's interesting you use the term gentleman because that's for me, what's been kind of fascinating is watching you know filmmakers like, for example, Joss Whedon, try to respond to this. And you know he started up by saying, "Well, look, I see Scorsese's point, but also wanted to point out that you know, if you look at Guardians of the Galaxy, the, the films that James Gunn does, his heart and guts are packed into Guardians of the Galaxy." And James himself chimed in and said that, "Look, Martin Scorsese is one of my five favorite living filmmakers," and. I was outraged when people picketed The Last Temptation of Christ without actually having seen the film. Mm-hmm. I'm saddened that he's now judging my films in the same way. That said, I will always love Scorsese, always grateful for his contribution to cinema, and can't wait to see The Irishman. And Karen Gillian from the, the cast of Guardians, uh, she was at New York Comic Con this past weekend, and in no uncertain terms, she said, look, I would absolutely say that Marvel movies are cinema. 
Cinema is storytelling with visuals. There's so much heart and soul, and there's James Soul in there in the Guardians films. He injects so much of his personality, his sense of humor. It's a big representation of who he is as a person, and therefore, it's very cinematic. He's an artist. But leave it to Samuel L. Jackson. He was actually, Tyler Perry opened his brand new studio in Atlanta this past weekend. And when, you know, he, he heard what Martin Corsese said, he said in response, that's like saying Bugs Bunny ain't funny. You know, films are films. Not everybody likes, you know, Scorsese stuff either. You know, everybody's got an opinion. So, I mean, it's okay. It kind of stop nobody from making movies. And I managed the cinema while I was in college. And we would definitely have films come in, important films. But to have an audience come out, you know, to be that respectful silence, they knew they had seen something important, but they were also, we showed movies. We showed, you know, just popcorn films. And the difference between the level of energy of an audience that had been entertained by a movie mm-hmm. as opposed to an audience that had just seen an important film. When you stood in the lobby, it was night and day. You had people who'd been entertained and were were talking with their friends about their favorite lines and, and you know, that sort of thing. Where, you know, the, the, the people who just seen the important movie, the, the things like Julia, the Jane Fonda thing, they respectively walk out of the theater, they'd button their coats and they'd get in the car and drive away. And Scorsese had to make The Irishman, this film he's been wanting to make for years, for Netflix, because none of the majors were willing to make a three-hour-plus-long crime drama with De Niro and Pesci and, and Al Pacino. They live in this new world where the franchise films dominate the markets, and you have to figure out whether or not something's going to play in China. In fact, that, that's one of the reasons why the dialogue-driven comedies that I, I loved as a kid, things like Goodbye Girl and, and that sort of thing, they aren't making them anymore because they don't play well in China. Here's this guy talking about the Temple of Cinema, and, and he couldn't get this film made to be played in the cinema. And in fact, because he made it for Netflix, the chains are actually balking against showing this film. In fact, just today, the story broke that because they can't get it being played in New York, Irishman begins its its theatrical run on November 1st and on the 27th of November, uh, it then becomes available for streaming on Netflix. So, Netflix was forced to book the Belasco Theater in New York, which has never in its entire history ever shown a movie before, but it's going to show a movie now. But again, he can't get his movie into cinemas because the chains are upset that he's working with Netflix. There's actually a more interesting nugget if you dig deeper into it is Mm -hmm. a company like Disney right now who has its animation division, it's got Marvel movies, it's got Star Wars movies, it's got Avatar movies all taking up regular blocks of calendar. By the way, I think 2021, we're supposed to get four Marvel movies, which is a first for that Mm -hmm. year. So that's basically every quarter is a Marvel movie. And then you've got the Fox bit that's all, it's all Disney. Mm -hmm. So when you look at a theater and how it's going to be crowded with basically everything under Disney's umbrella... And none of those things are small things. They are huge things that hog up the entire spotlight. As far as the cinema goes, when Star Wars comes out or when a Marvel movie comes out, that immediately takes up two or three theaters, right? Right off the bat. Mm. And so if Disney's 
all, all of their properties are hogging up the theater. Where does cinema, real cinema, because <laughs> according to Scorsese, this isn't film, it's, it's just whatever. Where does that stuff have left to go? Things like Netflix and the new Apple TV, they're all looking for creators of content. Mm-hmm. And here you can break the rules. It doesn't have to be the two-hour cinema-friendly format. It could be three and a half hours because you've now got a pause button. You can bust it up into episodes, part one and part two, if it's only you know three and a half hours. If you want to do uh, six hours broken up into hour-long episodes, and they don't even have to have a traditional episode-like ending, it can just stop. They could be like, you know, all Sopranos finale, just stop. And then the next episode picks up and you, you move on. That's an excellent point. Wow. You're interested in seeing The Irishman. Like I said, folks, it, it arrives in theaters, limited theaters. Again, it, it's going to be interested to see who actually winds up running this on November 1st. On the other hand, if you're willing to wait for Netflix, that's November 27th. And anyway, we're at the, the end of the show here. So if you've enjoyed listening tonight... We have some other podcasts here at the, the, the network. We've got Disney's Just with Lentesto. We've got Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. We've got Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. We've got Looking at Lucasfilm with Dan Z. And we've got I Want That with Michelle Valladolid. Please head over to iTunes and rate and recommend our show. If you get head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be incredibly helpful. Thanks for listening, folks, and we'll be back soon. More Marvelous Disney will be coming soon. In the meantime, check out one of the other great shows found only on the Jim Hill Media Network.